from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. This is the Denver City Cast with Holden Kushner, presented by Bet Rivers. It is Holden with Vison. It is the Denver City Cast presented by Bet Rivers, and it is a shocking, shocking loss by the Avalanche last night. Holy moly. A lot of us lost money on that one. We'll talk about the ads, recap that. Plus, I'll have a show bet on game number six with Mark Springer from Altitude 92.5 doing the ads postgame. Broncos ownership news. We have that. We've got the Nuggets and Kevin Durant little breakdown of the Western Conference Finals. My friend Joel Rush, who covers the Nuggets for Forbes, he's going to come on. Talk about Tim Connolly leaving the Nuggets, plus some Rockies as well as they head to the nation's capital. But we'll start with last night's devastating loss, an overtime loss by the Avalanche, 5-4. to four. Avs are still up three games to two as the series shifts back to St. Louis. Now Kadri has to go back there with his team. And boy, uh, that was rough. If you had the Avs winning in regular time at minus 150, you lost. I mean, the puck line, we lost. After a 3-0 start, I'm thinking, oh, this is great. The Avs are going to advance to the conference finals for the first time in 20 years. We're going to win some money on this puck line. And that did not happen. Avs team total last night was four. So you pushed. At plus 102 to the over. It was it was a push there. But we're still sitting on an Avs and six ticket. So the Avs and five ticket is dead. That was at plus 275. The one where we would make a chunk of change here is the Avs and six at plus 400. We are still alive there, but the Avalanche have to win this next game. Okay? Uh, and I'm not going to hedge on that one. I'm not going to pick St. Louis. 
just for the sake of picking St. Louis. And I still think the Avs are the much better team. Well, let's get to the updated series lines before we get to last night's, what I'll call a debacle. The Avs are still minus 1000 to win this series. That means you lay down $100, you get 10 back. Blues plus 550. So if you think the Blues are going to win this thing, you lay $100, you're going to get 550 back. So the series prices are going that way. To break it down a little closer, to win in six for the Avalanche, we've got it at plus, you know, four whatever I just told you. Well, now it's minus 175. To win in seven, minus 250. And the Blues to win in seven is plus 550. So about last night, what happened last night? Oh, God. So they're up three nothing, right? Everything's great. Second period, three nothing. They dominated the first 20 minutes. Come out in the second. A goal by the Blues. And I'm saying, all right, three one. We still got the puck line. Everything's good. Ugh. Then they get into overtime. I mean, I'll recap what happened there, but that Tyler Bozak game winner, 338 of overtime, that was devastating. It was a bad goal, too. That was a softy on Darcy Kemper. It was a bad one. So you had a 3-0 lead, 3-1 lead in the third, 4-3 lead with less than a minute left. So Nathan McKinnon, let's talk about him for a second. Terrific. Hat trick. Looked like he had the go-ahead goal with 2.46 remaining in regulation. And then literally less than two minutes later, minute and 50 later, the Blues tied things with 56 seconds left. You know, what was the issue here? Were there defensive breakdowns? Yes. Was Kemper not good? Yeah. Darcy Kemper stunk. And he knows he has to be better. He finished with just an 8.33 save percentage. That's disgusting. And a negative point or 1.82 goal saved above expected. So basically, if you had a plus 182 goal saved above expected, you had a great game. Minus 1.82, you're letting too many goals in. And they, they were soft. Not good. So the thing I take out of last night, the good stuff, the McKinnon hat trick. And how about the goal where the dude starts off with a puck behind his net. And then McKinnon just races up about against the board. He slides and skates and explodes across the middle of the ice to the left side. And he gets past center ice. And it's him one on five. He's got three defenders in front of him, two behind him. He's one on five. Makes an incredible couple of moves. Boom, scores. And that makes it 4-3 with just under three minutes to play. 246 to be exact. And at that point in time, all of a sudden I'm back up saying, we're back in the race here. We might cover the puck line. Because all you need is that one goal lead. Less than a minute left. Feeling great about it. One goal lead, empty netter. I thought Landeskog actually could have ended the game with an empty netter. He played it safe instead. Couple of incredible moves there. 4-3. We're all partying, but it just didn't happen. So Three games to two, the series lead, an unacceptable loss by the Avalanche. Absolutely unacceptable loss. You just can't blow three-nothing leads. You just can't blow four-three leads with a minute left. You know, these are the type of things that come back and haunt you and the type of things that start creeping into the minds of at least, I would say, the fan base. I don't think this hits the players yet. They lose in St. Louis, then 
we'll all be biting our nails because the, the season could be over for the Avalanche just like that. I don't think that happens. But you go as soft as they went in the third period last night, they're going to have major problems. They're a better team. It's not even close. They're better in net, even with Kemper. They're better in every single position. It's as simple as that. They're better scores. They're better defenders. They've got the better players. It just didn't work out last night. So, again, there's a reason why I came out and I recommended abs in five and abs in six. They were going to lose a game or two. Another game you lose, then we might have to start looking at it like, wow, St. Louis could really take this series. For now, it's just a delay. Let's go look at the game six lines, okay? We're back to big plus territory for the Avalanche on the puck line. Plus 138. Okay, I'm not there right now. I'm not there right now. Minus 180 on the money line and six and a half is the total. Now, the Avalanche finally scored first last night. It was amazing. So we didn't have an opportunity to bet that live and get plus money on the Avalanche, but that would have lost anyways. So it really doesn't matter. So I'm going to have a show play with Mark Springer later in the show against Springer. Post game, Altitude 92.5 does the Avs post game between the pipes. But just some final thoughts here. Inexcusable loss. You're about to get the monkey off your back. And Kemper just stunk up the joint. The defense stunk up the joint. Kemper stunk up the joint. McKinnon did everything that he could do to put this team on his back and win it. And it still was not enough. And now they've got to go back to St. Louis where that crowd's going to be bananas. And they'll probably go in after Kadri again. And they might need another hat trick to win. Like, how many games are you going to get hat tricks? You got one from Kadri, you got a win. You got one from McKinnon, you took a loss. Do they need hat tricks? And where the heck is Kale McCarr? Let's go, kid. Let's get going. Horrible loss by the Avalanche. Inexcusable. They should be feeling upset about last night because it should have been over. Do they take care of business in game six? I'm leaning toward yes. The book says yes. Is this a fait accompli? Absolutely not. We could have a game seven here on Sunday, and that would not be fun. To tell you the truth, game sevens are awesome, but why would you want to have a situation there? They'll be yelling and screaming, and it'll be great, and the atmosphere will be amazing unless St. Louis scores first. There's just too many bad things that can happen when you get to a game seven. They got to close this thing out. They got to close this thing out or all the demons of the last 20 years, all of the failures in the second round, all of the failures not getting to the conference finals. <sighs> all right. Let's not worry about that then. <laughs> it's number one on the front range for the four biggest stories in sports in the front range here. Uh, we'll get to a pipe dream. How about a pipe dream? You want to get to a pipe dream with the Nuggets and Kevin Durant? I'm not kidding here. I'm totally serious, by the way. We'll talk about that in the Western Conference Finals. Um, the Nuggets and Kevin Durant. So there's an interview, Jack McCollum. He's been covering the NBA for years. And he, I think it was a throwaway question. He's like, hey, Kevin, what's your favorite places, your favorite road towns to go to? And he says he loves Phoenix. Durant says he loves Phoenix. And then he goes, Denver. I like Denver a lot. It's super chill. Okay, so let me just put the pieces together here. This is going to be, it's, it's, it's just silly. He's not coming here, but 
Here's my here's my way to convince people that Kevin Durant is coming to the Nuggets, which absolutely is not going to happen. David Letterman did a really cool interview with with Durant uh, recently, and they were talking about marijuana. And Letterman goes, "Do you use it?" And Durant goes, "Yeah, I'm high right now." Well, I mean, Denver is super chill, right? Uh, I think you're also high if you think Durant comes here, but it's kind of awesome. He loves Denver. It doesn't mean he's going to play here. He could even say that he wants to play here. It's obvious. He's frustrated with Brooklyn. You know, you had the whole Kyrie situation, the Harden thing uh, that turned into a debacle. No Ben Simmons. You know, Kyrie might not even sign again. Durant might want out. Durant might want out. Yeah, we've seen superstars force their ways out. But again, I think you're high if you think Durant actually comes here. Denver has no first round picks for three years after 2022. They got what, 20, number 21 this year, the 21st pick. No first round picks after that for three years. What the hell are the Nets going to do there? You get a third team in there. What are the assets? What can you give up for Kevin Durant? Jamal Murray, who will not have played for 18 months. Michael Porter Jr., whose back has been crumbling for years. And again, what are the assets here? I would love to. Who wouldn't? Endeavor, who wouldn't love to see the Joker and Durant together? Two of the top five players in basketball. They'd be the favorite. I, I literally think they'd be the favorite to win the NBA Finals, to win the NBA Championship. But it's a pipe dream. So I'm going to set some lines for you here. Plus one million. For Durant to come. So you lay down $1, you'll get a million back. That's actually probably horrible. I probably shouldn't do that just in case. A one in a million shot. All right, let's go one in 10,000 shot for Durant to come here. And minus a billion for him not to come here. So you lay a billion dollars down, you're getting one back if Durant doesn't come here. And while we're at it, let's talk a little bit more NBA just for a second. Here are the lines for tonight's game number five of the Western Conference Finals. In San Francisco, the Warriors leading the Mavs three games to one. Okay? Lines on Bet Rivers. Warriors minus seven, which is minus 110 both sides. Mavs plus seven. Warriors minus seven. Mavs on the money line plus 245. Warriors minus 305. And I think a lot of sharp money's come in on the under because the total has gone from 216 to 215. Now, unders in the playoffs have been monsters. And I think a lot of that has to do with all the blowouts we've had. That leads to unders. But 53 and 31 of the unders this postseason. A 63% clip. So you're looking at almost two of every three games going under. Now, unders that fall at least half a point. So unders that fall are 31 and 14. That's 69%. And when the total's 210 or more, the under is 46 and 22. So I would say the under would be a play here. 215 and a half, you can look at the under. So I also want to take the blowout factor into this. I was talking about this with my guys over at Rumpier Sports, Rumpier Bets. You can check that out, rumpiersports.com, rumpierbets.com. It's a site that I am uh, invested in. And I was talking to me, I'm like, don't we have to prepare for a blowout with every single one of these games? Isn't that just something? And I've gone over this time after time. You can look back at like the last 20 playoff games. They've just been blowout after blowout after blowout. 
Uh, Dallas beat the Warriors by 10, 119-109. That was a blowout, though. Golden State came back late to end up covering it. I think the, the Warriors are just the better team here. They've won by 25 and 9 points at home. So they've covered that 7. They're going to end Dallas' season tonight, in my humble opinion. The only question is by how much. So if you'll remember back against that Nuggets in the Nuggets series, Warriors won by 16, 20, and 4 at home. Against Memphis, 33 points and 14 points. So 30-point margin, 14-point margin, 3-point margin. So here's what I'm going to do tonight. I feel very comfortable with the Warriors. Then again, we felt comfortable with the Avs yesterday. That didn't work out too well, but welcome to sports betting, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to lay the seven with the Warriors, and then I'm taking alt lines. Okay? I, uh, Golden State minus eight. Golden State minus nine. You want to take Golden State minus 10 like I did? Plus 143. You want to go with the super blowout? I threw a quarter unit down on the max that I could bet at Bet Rivers. Minus 17 and a half at plus 400. All these blowouts. It's going to be crazy in San Francisco. The Warriors are the better team. The history's on our side. I lean toward the under, and I take three different bets here. Minus 7, minus 10 at plus 143, and minus 17.5 and at plus 400. So full unit on the 7, half a unit on the 10, quarter unit on the 17.5. If you just feel comfortable, take the 7. If you like the 8, 9, even 10, go for it. The 17.5 is a pipe dream, but is it really a pipe dream? When the Warriors have had a 25-point win, a 20-point win, and a 30-point win at home. I don't think it is. I don't think it is. What is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. They've had eight home games, and they would have covered 17 and a half three of those eight games. That's my play there on Bet Rivers. That's number two on the front range four. Four biggest sports stories on the front range. Got some Broncos ownership news to get to. Matashiba. Who's that guy, right? And his brother, Justin, this is from Nine News. They're part of a group that put together a very strong financial proposal to buy the Broncos. By the way, Matt Ashibia, it's Ashibia, right? Yeah, Ashibia was on the Michigan State National Championship basketball team, 1999 to 2000. I actually worked with Mateen Cleves for a little while. I wonder if I, if this goes down, I'm getting Cleves on. We're going to talk about Ashibia. But, um... We've got Rob Walton from Walmart fame, $40 billion. You've got Josh Harris who came out from the Sixers, right? You've got Todd Bowley who has not come back here. He just bought Chelsea for four and a quarter billion dollars. It's going to be like, hey, it's probably going to cost more to buy the Broncos at this point. And we'll see if anybody else is in the mix. Byron Allen apparently in the mix, but he has not visited yet. These brothers, the Shibuya brothers, worth anywhere from seven to thirteen billion dollars. So they're going to have to have other investors in this, and we'll have a second round call for the next bids coming within the next couple of weeks. Number four on the front range for the four biggest sports stories here on the front range. It'll be the Rockies. I'm going to give you a Bet Rivers hometown special. Rockies at the Nationals tonight. C.J. Crone or Nelson Cruz to hit a home run at plus 120. C.J. Crone or Nelson Cruz to hit a home run at plus 120. 
It should be in the low 70s. Humidity in the 80 to 90 range. So that ball could be flying tonight in Washington. Now, yesterday, what a debacle for the Rockies. Uh, the Pirates were down 3-0 and 5-2, and they absolutely mashed the Rockies' bullpen to beat Colorado 10-5 and to take 2-3 or in the series. So game one, Pirates, under. Game two, Rockies, extra innings, under. Game three, Pirates, way over. I think the total was, what, eight, eight and a half? They scored 15. And now the Rockies are in a super free fall, losing 13 of 18. So tonight in Washington, you got two bad teams. The Nationals are 15 and 30, one of the worst teams in baseball, and they're just 6 and 17 at home. Something's got to give here, people. Rockies 20 and 23, 6 and 12 on the road. Rockies can't hit on the road. Their bullpen stinks. The Nationals just stink up and down. Like outside of Juan Soto, it's a very, very bland team to have to watch. Pitching matchup tonight. Herman Marquez, who's 1 and 4 with a 6-1-4 ERA. And Patrick Corbin, the Nats lefty, who is 0-7 with a 6.60 ERA. Corbin's not a good pitcher, but I can't imagine he's this bad. He ditched a lot of his fastballs to go to sinkers, and it just hasn't worked for him. They're not scoring for him either. Washington's lost all nine of Corbin's starts, and in those starts, they're averaging about one and three quarters runs of support, 16 runs in nine starts. So that's not good for Corbin. And that just happens. We see that in baseball a lot. Teams just, they can't get going. When a certain pitcher's on the mound, they just don't score for him. It's odd. Corbin actually lost to the Rocks back on May 4th. May the 4th be with you day. Uh, he gave up five runs, four earned, nine hits, eight innings. By the way, 44 years ago, 45 years ago yesterday, the first ever Star Wars came out. Um, and I, that's one of my first memories ever. I can't believe I'm hijacking a Rocky segment here. One of my first memories ever, I was like two and a half, I went to the, uh, the first ever Star Wars. It was awesome. That's how old I am, people. So um, let's, let, let's get to the odds in this game. Bet Rivers odds. Rockies minus 103 on the road. How, how do you bet on the Rockies on the road? Well, they're playing Washington. Washington minus 117. How do you bet on Washington as a favorite? Eight and a half is the total here. Minus 103 to the over. Minus 117 to the under. Rockies team total three and a half. Minus 136 to the over and plus 117 to the under. Marquez just hasn't been good either. It's frustrating to watch Marquez right now. He's a better pitcher. He's just not, he doesn't have any command. And I know that Buddy Black said Marquez was losing focus. I'm not buying into that. I think it's the lack of command and control. Uh, the Rockies cannot hit on the road, batting 226. They've got a 287 on base percentage, which is sluggish to say the least, and a 329 slugging. Like they'd be one of they'd be one of the worst hitters in baseball if they were a, a, just one player on the road. They've done good against lefties though, um, slugging 448, batting 308, 368 on base percentage. Something's got to give here. But there's no way I can back the Rockies to win on the road. Uh, there is no way that I can bet an over in this game. But then again, you've got Marquez and Corbin who have both struggled. This is going to be a 100% pass for me. Mark Springer 
Avs post game, altitude 92.5. He joins me in just a few minutes. We'll also get to talk with Joel Rush covering the Nuggets with Forbes. We'll do that a little bit later on. This is the Denver CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. Baseball is here, and Bet Rivers has a special offer for you every Saturday throughout the season. Place a three leg same game parlay of at least $25, and you will earn a $10 free bet. With same game parlays, you can combine player props and game bets to make your perfect combo. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Claim your offer on the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com. Must be 21, must be located in Colorado. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. As promised, Mark Springer, between the pipes, Avs postgame, altitude 92.5. Must not have been a fun night last night. Uh, postgame for Springer. He and I were both on the Avs puck line last night. Hello, Mr. Springer. What a disaster last night was. Disaster. <clears throat> that was terrible. I mean, that was, that was so bad. And... You know, it looks so good. It looks so good. You, you, the Avs just blew a 3 nothing lead at home in an elimination game if, to finally move past the second round. They had a 3 nothing lead, and they blew it. That is that is dangerous, man. That, now, all of a sudden, my confidence in the Avs going forward has really, really gone down. Uh, this reminds me of the Nashville Predators blowing a 4 nothing lead to the Arizona Coyotes in Game 82. And obviously they go on and they get swept by the Avs. I mean, that that was not good for Nashville. You see teams blow leads like this, and usually they do not overcome it. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, my I, should the Avs still win this series? Yeah, they should. But I look at Friday night's game, Avs about minus 170 on the road, Blues plus 150 at home, and you know, maybe I'm overreacting. I'm sure there will be a lot of overreaction going on. I don't have any confidence in the Avs on Friday night, especially at minus 170. Uh, that's There's no value there. The value is totally on the Blues right now for them to bring this back to Denver again for a Game 7 where the Blues have won the last two. Yeah, Holden, that was, that was embarrassing is what that was. So here's my thoughts on that. All of a sudden, you and me and a whole bunch of Avs backers go from up 3-0. I'll admit it. I thought the series was over, okay? up three, nothing after a period to now you're freaking out. So let me, let me get this from you. Are you representing all abs fans at this point that the sky is falling? They had their chance and now they're in trouble and they got to go back to St. Louis. Based on the reaction I've seen. And you know, I only see a certain slice of the pie. Um, there's definitely frustration, but it's kind of funny and ironic, which is also ironic. Like, there's irony mixed within irony because this series has been filled with irony from, you know, St. Louis Blues fans spewing racist threats at Nazem Kadri uh, to Craig Berube having no comment on that, only for them to get punked on their home ice by Nazem Kadri. That's great irony right there. Uh, and then, you know, last night the Avs punked themselves, and and the, the irony you know, with the fan base is there was so much panic in the regular season down the stretch when these games didn't matter. And they clearly don't matter because the Avs go and sweep the Nashville Predators. And now there doesn't seem to be a lot of panic. And I wasn't panicked back then. 
And now I'm kind of panicked, and it doesn't feel like a lot of people are panicked. This is when you should be panicked. You just blew a 3 nothing lead on your home ice. So if you're, if you're not panicked, and maybe panic is a little bit of a strong word, you should be. I mean, the value in the abs for the rest of this series to me is, is dead. It's gone. I don't know how you can trust this team the rest of the series, especially when they're going to be about minus 150 to, uh, you know, if this goes game seven, they'll probably be about minus 200 at home. Good, great, grand. They were minus 260 last night. Uh, you know, they were like minus 1800 with a 3 nothing lead and blew it, you know, on the live line. So I just don't know how you can bet the abs right now uh, and feel comfortable. I mean, you could do it because they're the better team, but holding the value right now is on the Blues. It really is. Now, I know that the Blues haven't won on their home ice this series, but they just got given a lifeboat, gifted a lifeboat. So I am concerned about Friday night. I really am. <sighs> I think I think this is what I expected from you. I think I expected fury and anger. You know, for me last night, it was more, oh, my God, they just blew a, a 3 nothing lead, and McKinnon won it with, like, 256 or 246 left, right? I just don't understand how that happened. Now, you're freaking out. You're going bananas. There's no value here. I mean, I guess you could take the abs in regular time, right? Um, no, you can't even do that. They're minus 205. At least they were minus 150 in the other game. So, yeah, there's no value there. Maybe you want to look at the series then? Do you want to look at the series price again? Because as I said coming in here, I had the abs in five at plus 275, and now the abs in six at plus 400. So I'm not where you are, where the sky is falling, but I understand where you're coming from, okay? So here's the series winner, minus 1,000, all right? Um, and then for the Avalanche to win in seven, it's plus 250, minus 175 to win 4-2, and the Blues to win in seven. So what do you like more there? Avs in six, minus 175, we're not doing that. Avs in seven, 250, Blues in seven, 550. Yeah, I mean, abs in six minus 175 is, you know, that's about what the game line is going to be. Mm -hmm. In fact, that's that mirrors the game better. line for Friday night, right? Obviously. It's better. Uh, so if you're betting abs in seven, you're essentially, you may as well, it's the same thing as, well, maybe it'll, the math will end up a little different, but you're betting blues Friday, you're betting abs Sunday. That's what that bet is. Um, and... It's just so weird, and these playoffs have been weird in a way because, you know, the Avs are 2-0 and in St. Louis this series. Can they make it 3-0 and on Friday night? Um, I don't know. I, I don't know because this team has, has been too up and down. What I saw last night was too concerning. You know, one thing I want to say, Holden, is I wish that – NHL coaches, not even just NHL, any pro sport coach or player could bet on your own team. I wish you could bet on your own team because if Jared Bednar was allowed to bet on his own team, then there is no chance in hell that he goes into defense mode for the majority of the third period. He would have said, hey, I want to cover this minus one and a half that I have on the ass. Let's keep attacking. And guess what? They would have won the game. The reason they lost that game is because Jared Bednar, they got a little scared. And he decided to try to, to hold his breath to get to the conference finals. He played not to lose. If, they, if, if, if Jared Bednar could have bet on that game, there's no way he takes uh, the, his foot off the pedal. And they cover that one and a half, and we're all happy here today. But instead, I don't know if it's because Jared Bednar is a former uh, AHL defenseman Big old defensive guy. He thought that defense would win the 
would win the series, but that's not how the Avs are built. The Avs are built on offense, and hopefully they learn their lesson. Uh, so maybe that's a positive to come out of that game is that the Avs learn their lesson, this coaching staff learn their lesson, that you're not built to go into defense mode in third periods. You are, your best defense is your offense. Uh, so hopefully they learn their lesson, and if you are going to back the Avs on Friday night, uh, you're hoping that the Avs learn their lesson. So I'm with you on Bednar kind of slowing things down and playing it safe. I still think the bigger issue is Kemper, Darcy Kemper. He was absolutely horrendous last night. And when you look at it, just uh, what was it? Like he gave up almost two goals or expected negative point one point eight two goals saved above expect, uh, expected and 833 save percentage. He's got to be better. I think if he shows up, one of these last two games are going to win. Thoughts on Kemper last night. Yeah, no, he he wasn't good. And so let me throw this at you. Uh, what are your thoughts on the over six and a half, which is coming in at about minus 115? Uh, you know, Vile Husso was really good in the regular season, but he has been average or so in these playoffs. Darcy Kemper, yeah, took a massive step back last night, and he's a little streaky. I mean, there there's only one Andre Vasilevsky left in this playoffs, and it is him. It is Andre, okay? Igor Shosturkin is going to win the Vesna for the Rangers. So, you know, you'd slot him as, in as the second-best goaltender left in these playoffs. But even Igor, this is his first season as the starter for an entire year. He's still a younger guy, although I think he's like 25 or so. So he's not proven is my point. So my point is that, you know, after Vasilevsky, these goaltenders left in the playoffs are absolute streak shows they're up and down you don't know what you're going to expect so you know i rather than betting the abs because my lean honestly would be the blues in game six i hate to say oh it. my god uh maybe i'll bet the over six and a half in that game because i don't oh. trust either goaltender right now i don't think either defense is particularly great that's what's frustrating about last night like the blues are a solid physical defensive team but they're not world beaters defensively like Alex Petrangelo is not on that team anymore Tori Krug isn't back in the lineup yet like if the Avs don't take their feet off the gas they score more than four goals last night so uh maybe the over is the play hold and I'm kind of liking that Huso has been bad um but listen he bounced back last night he only gave up one after giving up three early so here are the totals in this game under under in game number one and two right they scored five in both games uh, in St. Louis, seven goals, nine goals, and then last night, nine goals. So if you're doing that, you're thinking you're, you're thinking that Huso's going to have a bad game and Kemper's not going to bounce back. So how worried are you about Kemper then? You're not feeling good? Um, I mean, I'm not worried to the point where I'm like, oh, man, Darcy Kemper gives the abs no chance. No, I, I think he's as good and as worse as every goaltender left except for Vasilevsky possible exception Igor Shosturkin I, I he's he's on the same level as Vile Husso he's on the same level as Jacob Markstrom I hate to say it he's on the same level as Mike Smith you know uh that overtime winner from Tyler Bozak it wasn't from near as deep as that Rasmus Anderson goal on Mike Smith the other night which was from like uh 60 feet away or however far away that was uh <laughs> as farther than that probably uh yeah it's, uh, Darcy Kemper he's he's there he, he's with the pack uh, look, and you mentioned how Vile Husso settled down and you know, only allows one goal, which is an uh, all-time goal from Nathan McKinnon that is now going to be forgotten. 
But Holden, again, keep in mind that the Avs only had six shots on goal in the second period. They only had five shots on goal in the third period. And one of those was the McKinnon goal, which was after the Blues tied the game. And the Avs said, oh, crap, now we have to attack offensively again. So really, they only had four shots on goal while they were going into park the bus mode. That, that's a soccer tactic is to park the bus and bring everybody back. That's what the Avs did last night. So had the Avs not gone with that strategy, they have far more than four shots on goal. Who so probably allows more than one? I, I think that what last night showed is that the Avs have yet to advance past the second round. They have yet to find the formula to win a clinching game in the second round. And I, they kind of, I think they got nervous. They got tentative with their strategy. Uh, so hopefully this is a lesson learned and and the and the Avs do win. But regardless, I don't have any faith, so my play is the, hold, uh, the over hold. And that's, that's what I'm going to stick with is over six and a half. That's an official play. Okay, that's so here's play. my issue. Here's my issue with the Avs offense. And I thought they would do much more last night, to be perfectly honest. You get out to a three nothing lead, you should score five or six goals. And they five or six goals would have won it for him. Mm-hmm. But they've had to rely on hat tricks the last two games, Kadri and McKinnon. So what's going on here? <laughs> because you can't rely on that every single game. Now, if you just look at the stats, all of a sudden, you know, Landeskog's having a good playoffs. Miko's having a good playoffs with 10 assists. McKinnon, McCars is adding things. But I'm a little concerned about the lack of spreading out the goals here it's just very concentrated is that a legitimate concern it is um the third line right now and alex newhook is in for andre burakovsky which Mm -hmm. i think was the right move and it's unfortunate because burakovsky is a guy who you know it can be a legitimate nhl goal scorer he is in the prime of his career uh but unfortunately burakovsky the offense isn't there and he's not a good defensive player whereas newhook plays more of a two-way game so he's in and I like that because he's going to hunt more pucks. But at the same time, that third line of Comfer, Newhook, Abe Kubel, there's no offense there. The fourth line hunts pucks really well, and they play a really good uh, defensive game. But you're you're lucky if you get goals from, from that line. Now, granted, Logan O'Connor had a really nice goal to open the scoring uh, in one of those games in St. Louis. Um, you, you know, Cogliano had a shorty early in the Nashville series. Uh, Darren Helm's a veteran. Like, they can get you some goals, but you're right. Lines three and four, I don't have faith in offensively right now. I know Miko Rantanen got his 10th assist last night, but I'm telling you, Holden, he, of the top six forwards, he's the one who's clutching right now. He's the one who is not on his game. He should have had a goal last night on a rebound from a McKinnon shot. It was right there for him, middle high. Uh, and for a guy of Miko's level, you got to you gotta put that in. And he goes low to Huso's pads. He doesn't even get it. He, like... He kind of got jammed. Like, if it was a fastball, it jammed his, his stick. Uh, and that's not Miko. He, he's not playing his game right now. But defensively, you have Kale McCarr and Devontae's. Josh Manson has proved he can move the puck a little bit and score. You know, he gets that game winner early in, early in his playoffs in overtime, uh, game one of this series. You, missing Sam Girard does hurt. Bowen Byram's been popping to me. And he's got two-way ability as a defenseman. I thought Bo had a good game last night. So what the Avs lack in lines three and four offensively, they kind of make up for with McCarr, Taves, Byram, and and a defensive core in general that can get you some goals. 100% I'm with you on it was strategy last night that uh, they just kind of went into a ball for two periods and then McKinnon decided to take over. It is nice to see him get going again. 
So you wonder if he's going to be the deciding factor. Um, but again, I think that you are echoing the sentiment of a lot of Avs fans that have just been in such big, it, there's just been so many collapses, so many underachievements. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I feel like, I feel like you're just, you're overreacting, but I understand the overreaction. You know, before the series, I said five or six. I think they closed this thing out there, but you're right. Why am I laying minus 180? That's just a silly thing to bet on. There's a more talented team that Huso's going to get beat up at least one more time in this series. So I'm feeling good about the abs, but I get it. I get why everybody's freaking out, you know? And, and here's the other thing. I'll give you a narrative. What if they rally around Kadri again? And say, we're not losing in St. Louis. That's not happening. Uh, again, last night, Bednar had to learn his lesson. If they, and here's the other thing is he done? Is Bednar gone if they blow this series? You no. know, game, obviously, the Avs have lost their last two to the Blues at home, games two and game five. Now, game two was not on Jared Bednar. And, you know, like Mark, Mark Kisla, columnist for the poster in Denver, put that on Bednar, and he's wrong. Uh, game two was not on Bednar, that was on the no. players. They did not have it that night. He just likes trolling you guys. That's all he does. He doesn't know shit about hockey. He just loves trolling you. He does. But, uh, you know, look, I I, I bring it up because, you know, he was wrong about game two. That was the players, okay? The players didn't have their skates, uh, and that was from the jump, really. Um, And that's why they only scored one goal in that game. Was it 4-1 in that game? Last Mm -hmm. night was not on the players. That that was on Jared Bednar. And, you know, no, I don't – Think. Now we'll see. We'll see how Game Six and possibly Seven plays out. But I think Jared Bednar has been tremendous as the Avs coach. I think it's uh, criminal in a way that he was not a finalist for the Jack Adams Award this year, and that he—I don't think he has been in his tenure as Avs coach, which is insane considering he took over a 48-point team. I think he's pushed all the right buttons with this team. I absolutely love his handling of the Nazem Kadri situation. I think he's done a fantastic job, top to bottom. Until last night, he finally pushed his first wrong button. It was clearly like you watched most of that third period. It was a it was a strategy. You could see the strategy play out that it was to play not to lose, to play a defensive minded game, and that's on Bednar. That was his decision. Um, but it was the first incorrect button that he's pressed. So I don't think that you know I'm not going to overreact there and say fire Bednar. Not even close. Not even close. No. Actually, so uh, look, he was due. He was due to finally make a coaching mistake. He did last night. And again, hopefully he learns from it. And if the Avs have a lead in the third period in St. Louis, I expect a different strategy, more akin to what we saw in games three and four. All right. You're taking the over six and a half. That'll be an official show play for you. Yep. I'll come up with my play tomorrow. I just got to sit back and relax because that I, I lost some money on them last night. It was bad. The The puck line was bad. And then they get to overtime and I'm like, oh, they're going to win this. And then I lost again. So. Yeah. Um, Springer, plug your show, buddy, because we'll be checking it out Friday night. And then hopefully we don't have to listen. Hopefully you don't have a show on Sunday. Yeah, I, I got to watch AEW Double or Nothing on Sunday. So uh, I got to watch, watch my wrestling, Holden. So okay. hopefully we're not playing on Sunday. But I got this bad feeling we're going to be uh, whatever, though. <laughs> hopefully I'm wrong. That's why I'm betting the over. I'm staying away from the money line. Uh, between the pipes, Altitude Sports Radio 92.5. We're on Twitch. We're on the internet. Just Google us. Uh, after Avs Blues Game 6 and hopefully not Game 7. All right, I'm going to look at the cons, my trophy market, and then we'll be joined by Joel Rush from Forbes to talk some nuggets next on the Denver City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers.
Bet Rivers is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, Bet Rivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com to sign up. Must be 21, must be located in Colorado. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 522 4700. Hey, thanks a lot to Mark Springer for hopping on. That's uh, a nice little show bet we got. Let me get into the Con Smythe Trophy market. The futures on who will be the most valuable player in the NHL throughout the playoffs. And I think there's three guys here on the Avalanche that we've got to take seriously. Okay, Nathan McKinnon at the start was about a 10 to 1 favorite. Now he's a plus 325. Okay, uh, I, don't, I wouldn't be surprised if he had the most goals throughout the playoffs. Um, right now, as far as the points go in the postseason, 13 points for McCarr, 13 points for McKinnon. McCarr's have been scoring the goals. That's fine, though. Three goals, 10 assists. Quiet here in this second round of the playoffs. McKinnon, eight goals, five assists, 13 points. McKinnon, of course, had five and five. Then it's Miko and Landeskog with 11 points. Kadri has 10 Okay, Gabe Landeskog, by the way, quietly, six goals here in the playoffs. Six goals, five assists. Uh, McKinnon and McCarr, talk about him. We talk about Naz Kadri, but boy, Landeskog might be a guy to look at too. But um, I think what we're doing here, if you're betting on any of the Avalanche, you're thinking that they're going to win the cup. You know, they lose the cup. Someone from the other team in the finals probably ends up winning it. Um, Kale McCarr. So McKinnon's the favorite of plus 325. And then you've got Kale McCarr, who is the second favorite at plus 400. Um, he's tied with McKinnon in points, right? He's tied with McKinnon in points up top. He does a lot of things that you're not going to see in the box score. Also, you're going to need to see some goals and some assists and some points. And he does. He does both things. He, he's a great defender and he's terrific offensively. We know that. And if the Avs win the cup and McCarr has the most points on the Avalanche, plus, uh, plus 400, four to one, you're winning that bet. You're winning that bet. And I think the same thing could go for McKinnon at plus 325. Okay, so the list is this. It's McKinnon, McCarr, then Andre Vasilevsky. You go down, Connor, uh, David, uh, Connor McDavid, plus 650. You got to go all the way down to Naz Kadri at 20 to 1, plus 2,000. Landis Gog, plus 3,000. Miko Rantanen, plus 4,000. Let me talk about Kadri for a second, though. He's at 20 to 1. Third on the team in goals with five. Landis Gog, McKinnon have more than him. 10 points, fifth on the team. Okay, you just hope he's not suspended for a couple of games. But as VEASAN Steve uh, Mackinnon says, he's built for the playoffs. He has a history of getting into trouble. But if he can avoid any issues going forward, he'll be a big part of the Avs playoff run. So McCart plus 400, Kadri at 20 to 1. A couple of Con Smythe Trophy futures bets that you might want to consider. Come back. I bet you Joel Rush. From Forbes, who covers the Nuggets, joins me to talk about Tim Connolly bolting for the Minnesota Timberwolves and how the Nuggets are set up with Calvin Booth coming in to run this team. That's next on the Denver CityCast, presented by Bet Rivers.
Baseball is here, and Bet Rivers has a special offer for you every Saturday throughout the season. Place a three-leg same-game parlay of at least $25, and you will earn a $10 free bet. With same-game parlays, you can combine player props and game bets to make your perfect combo. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Claim your offer on the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com. Must be 21, must be located in Colorado. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Welcome back to the Denver City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. Hold it with VEASAN, as promised, Joel Rush, live from a super secret location somewhere in the world, uh, does cover the Nuggets, does know the Nuggets a ton, is from the Denver area, Mr. Rush. Thank you for hopping back on the show. How are you today? I'm just fine. How about you? I'm doing thanks great. Me Do it, y'all. Thanks for having me. Thanks for showing up. That's really what it is. Um, so, first guy I think of to talk to about this Tim Connolly situation is you. I didn't think he'd go. Uh, he did end up going. So, take me through your thoughts on this. Did you think he'd go? And now, what do you think about him being gone? I, I really didn't know what to make of how he would come down personally because. He obviously has deep connections with Denver and not, not only the organization, but the city and, you know, his family and everything has been living there a long time. And I wasn't sure, you know, how lucrative or tempting of an offer Minnesota would have to make to, you know, draw him away. So, but, you know, obviously he made the choice he did and the less surprising aspect of it perhaps and slightly disappointing was that the Cronkies didn't, do what they needed to do to keep him around. Um, even though they've shown an increased willingness to spend on players recently, um, they still tend to trim the fat around the edges. So that, you know, unfortunately was not altogether surprising, but um, it was, you know, definitely a shock through the organization by all accounts. So you and I disagree on something. I think that they'll be fine. Um, Connolly did a great job making this organization relevant. He did a great job building the culture. But as we saw when Ajiri left, uh, these guys are replaceable. Uh, it's not easily replaced. But Booth, Calvin Booth's been here a little while. Um, and, and listen, Connolly's leaving for a team with three really good studs. I would still take the Jokic side over this. But ownership, all of that. Tim Connolly, right? Um, so I think they're going to be fine. I don't think it's as big a loss as a lot as, as you probably are going to think. So let me get your thoughts on that. Well, first of all, I definitely have a lot of faith in Calvin Booth. I mean, he's, you know, kind of earned his stripes being in the front office for a long time. Um, he was promoted to general manager for a reason because he had been doing a good job and he's continued to in that position. So, um, my apprehension about this is not about that um you know and maybe he could even do a better job than tim you know we have yet to see what he's actually going to do um but two points about this i would say is just that one this is a really critical off season for denver and just to have a disruptive event is not great <laughs> you know at, mm -hmm. at this particular juncture because they're just coming off of these injuries for jamal murray and michael porter you know, just when it looked like they were turning the corner into more stability and restoring order to the house, then this happens. So that's just kind of an unwelcome, you know, and 
if if it was something that you know was planned for a long time that like okay we want to promote calvin booth and so we want to let tim go or something like that it might be a little bit different but um you know this caught them off guard clearly i think and uh they were not anticipating that he would get poached so um in that sense i think you know they were kind of caught with their pants down a little bit um and the the other thing about it is just that I think it's just sending a bad message to the league um, and, you know, perhaps even to the players that we are not willing to spend, you know, we're, we're not Balmer, um, <laughs> you know, yeah. and of course, you know, even as a 10 billionaire, um, the Cronkies are not as rich as him, but even so, if you're worth $10 billion, cough it up. Right. I mean, come on. <laughs> um, and, you know, and, Tim drafted their three max contract players. He has built this team. Like I was just reviewing an article I wrote in 2018 um, for Forbes that was about how he completely overhauled the roster in four years. There, from the time he took his uh, seat as you know general manager at the time, four years later there was not a single player left on the roster who was there when he started, and he not only transformed the roster but he transformed the culture of the team. So as a culture setter and like kind of the kind of the soil that the culture was embedded in, in a certain sense. Um, I, I think that is hard to quantify the impact of that loss. And it's something I'm concerned about and it could be better. I, you know, like I said, I don't know for sure, but um, I, I think there is reason for concern on multiple points and, you know, not maybe reason to panic, but um it's definitely not a good public look at the very least. Yeah. I was going to ask you to kind of like recap his career. I think I, I just got my answer before I even asked it though. Right. So he took a franchise that was not in the best of shape and uh, turned them into perennial winners, but it's not like he's been perfect. Right. So he, the roster oh, no. moving forward, there's a lot of question marks. I think two things here, first of all, the equity stake. There's no, and I don't blame the Cronkies for not giving the guy partial ownership. Like that's a, it took, that's what it took for the Timberwolves and Alex Rodriguez to convince somebody to come up there <laughs> to do that. Yeah. And, um, and I don't know, right? quite honestly, like, I don't know what the Cronkies offered. Um, I did hear, I believe, Matt Moore say that he would be paid double what he was getting paid for the Nuggets on the uh, Locked On podcast. But, um, I don't know what their counter offer was or if they made one, but I'm sure you're right that it didn't include equity, but had they even matched the salary, would that have been enough to keep him around? I'm not sure. Um, so I'm a little in the gray area on just knowledge mm -hmm. on that point, but, um, but no, he definitely made mistakes along the way. And uh, I think one thing that really kind of messed up his program was Jeremy Grant's departure, which I think was unexpected. And, that kind of threw that whole off season into a bit of a tailspin and they had to kind of scramble to, you know, patch up. What are we going to do now? Cause they were kind of counting on him to be there and he made a good, uh, you know, and I would say actually a great um, follow-up move to acquire Aaron Gordon in that mid season trade um, at the deadline. So basically replacing Jeremy Grant months later, but um, you, you know, like, the Tyler Lydon draft in 2017, that one still stings for sure. Um, like he, he definitely made some missteps along the way. And that's, 
you know, not to be ignored that, you know, he wasn't a perfect GM, but um, is there a perfect GM? No. So, but did he, does he leave the organization with a roster that could contend for a championship? That's my question now. Like he would have had to make some moves this year. He would have had to, I, I, I don't know. He's, he doesn't have draft picks, right? For the first, for the next three years, he really doesn't have any draft picks. So he left him without draft picks, left him um, probably having to pay the, the luxury tax. They obviously have a draft pick this year, left him with the Gordon contract, left him with the Porter Jr. contract. So I think everybody that's freaking out here, it's not like the, not even like he's perfect. Like there's some major obstacles that he would have had to overcome this year to put a, a, a championship contending roster together, even with Jokic and Murray coming back. Well, that's true. Um, I, I would say he left the team with a core that can contend for a championship if you build around it correctly. And like I said, you know, at the beginning of our talk that this offseason is going to be a critical one. And that's part of my concern about his departure. But, um, you know, I do think that the Faku Compazzo signing, for one thing, you know, um, there in the last couple of seasons, there's been some spotty moves. And, uh, you know, especially around the margins, things you know, is DeMarcus Cousins coming back? Um, is Austin Rivers a piece they consider like a keeper? I, I don't know. Um, but I, I do think that, you know, with <laughs> with Jokic and Murray alone, he has left the team in, you know, better shape than probably half the teams in the league, <laughs> at the very least. And, uh, you know, with a core to build around that is capable of winning a championship if you build right. So, at the very least, would that you rather have the one with Carl Anthony Towns, Ant Edwards, and Jaden McDaniels, or the one in cap room and a higher pick, or the one with Jokic, Murray, and not a lot of cap room and not a lot of picks in the future? Well, I'm a pretty big believer in Nikola Jokic. Uh, I, I think, you know, and, and Ant, he could be on his way to being one of the NBA's great players. I mean, he's looking like a stud for sure. So I don't know that it's, you know, an easy call per se. And especially, you know, from the point of view of a GM, it's almost more like, what is your hobby? Like, do you prefer a rebuilding kind of process kind of job? Or do you want to like jump right in and contend for a title right now? And, you know, I think, um, Maybe Tim likes the challenge of, you know, continuing to do what he's been doing for the past few years and trying to construct a title contention team rather than, you know, seeing this one through to its final stages, which it's, you know, it's near completion, at least in terms of the core. Um, and now it's going to be working around the edges. But um, I, 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 you know, I can't speak for him, of course, and all the factors that he must have, you know, weighed in making his decision. But you know, for me personally, I would like to stick it through with Jokic and see what he's capable of because I think with the right supporting cast, he's basically unstoppable on offense and he's much more capable on defense than he's given credit for. So, you know, I think he's fully capable of being the number one auto title contender if the team is built right. That's I, I want the best player. I mean, I'll take the team with the best player and that would be Nikola Jokic at this point. You, you, you mentioned... You kind of like the Calvin Booth thing, right? Talk to me about Calvin Booth, what we're going to see out of him or what you expect to see out of him and why you're comfortable with him. 
Well, one reason I'm comfortable with him is just because he is comfortable <clears throat> with the organization and that's mutual. You know, I think mm-hmm. um, that's, I mean, one, one of the pillars of Tim Connolly's organization building and team building was continuity and patience and loyalty to the guys who have helped you get to where you are. So I think the continuation with Calvin Booth is kind of a continuation of those precepts. And that, you know, does lend a degree of stability to an otherwise, you know, like some teams, if they lost their GM, could be thrown into a tailspin. And I don't think that will happen with the Nuggets because Calvin's been around a long time and he, you know, he will basically be able to manage the front office in a way that will not see some kind of immediate drop off or, you know, immediate shakeup or something like that. So I think the stability will continue there, but um, I'm sorry. What was the other part of your question? I mean, it was um, just Calvin Booth, like your comfortability in him. It's just a simple Oh yeah. Um, in terms of what to expect from him, that was right. Um, yeah. yeah. I think many people are expecting that he might be more, proactive and you know maybe Tim's loyalty made him kind of reticent to trade some players at moments when (laughs) it may have been better to do so Um, for example Will Barton might have been traded some time ago by a different GM Um, and I think there's a few other players on the roster who the same might be said for Um, so I think you know we might see a little more proactive, you know, at least shopping players around and uh, trying to be a little more aggressive about making some moves. Um, I, I'm, I'm not sure, you know, exactly with Calvin, like what his roster building philosophy will look like exactly in terms of, you know, does he want to construct more of a defensive oriented team or an offense oriented team or stuff like that. But I think he's, probably well well aware of you know the holes that need to be patched up like <laughs> that was glaringly obvious in the series against the warriors like we need some uh we the nuggets need some uh, perimeter containment and defense there um so it will you know i imagine be a priority of his to move the necessary pieces to try to acquire that but we'll, we'll see what he does joel so i i talk to fans and i hear from fans and they're pissed off you know, and I don't think it's just Connolly leaving. I think a lot of it has to do with some fans not even be able to watch these games on TV, right? Right. So you're, you're in contact with fans all the time. What are the messages you're hearing? What, what is the message? And you're a Nuggets fan too, aren't you? I mean, you, got, you can't be that thrilled. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I entered into Nuggets writing through fandom. I won't, you know, make any bones about that. I you know, come from a fan perspective. I'm not trying to pretend that I'm completely objective uh-huh. here. Um, I'm hoping the Nuggets are successful and that they win a title. Um, but, you know, at the same time, I'm trying to take a step back and, you know, be even keeled about things. Um, so I'm, I'm not, you know, like it's the end of the world here. But, you know, I think, like you said, the TV contract stuff, the crappy practice facility they have there in ball arena you know there's just like kind of a cumulative effect of like when are they gonna put on their big boy pants and grow up 
and become one of, you know, because it kind of looked like they were in that process of, you know, doing that when they were giving these max contracts out and extension to Aaron Gordon and stuff like that. Like, okay, now they're kind of joining the big leagues of like, we are serious about winning a title. And that, and that is the most important area to spend on is the player salaries themselves. But if you're, you know, not willing to spend in other, you know, kind of support capacities that will facilitate, you know, not only the players themselves, but the whole organization being successful and, you know, having the respect of the league, um, attracting free agents is going to be more difficult. Um, you know, it's, it's not a good message to send out to the rest of the league that like, are we totally willing to spend everything we've got to win a title? The answer is no. Like we're not willing to keep Tim Connolly. <laughs> so, you know, um, that's not the greatest message to send out if there's, you know, like he's not going to be in free agency soon. And even if he was, I'm not sure if Denver is an organization he would consider, but you know, someone like a Bradley Beal or someone like that, like mm -hmm. those are factors that they will weigh if they, you know, visit Denver and they're, you know, being courted by the team as a free agent, you know, those are not the most important things, you know, I think Nikola Jokic is the most important thing. Oh, because there's, there's no question. Anybody would love to play with him who's got half a brain on their shoulders. But, um, but you know, those things are non-trivial at the same time. I just don't think Connolly stays, period, because he's getting equity. And not, that could almost be. every that could owner be. would say no. No, that, that's fine. Maybe they didn't match the offer that way. Maybe they made him a, a, an offer that he could refuse very easily. But the fact of the matter is, this guy is going to a place where he's part owner now. And I just yeah, don't and, think there was any way to keep him. And that could be, and like I said before, you know, I can't, I don't have ESP. I can't see into the brain of Tim mm -hmm. Connolly and know what his deeper innermost thoughts are. But I, I know he has deep love for the players and the organization in Denver. And it could not have been, even with the equity taken into account, it could not have been an easy decision by any means for him to part ways with his baby. <laughs> you know, like he's been carefully cultivating this project for years and years. And uh, I'm sure there's a huge part of him who would have loved to see it through to, you know, whether they win a title or not, but at least see it through to its, you know, best optimal conclusion that they are able to do. Well, just want to say this, Joel, uh, thank you so much for the time, first of all. And second of all, will you just plug everything you're doing? Well, I'm in the middle of writing a thing about Connolly, but I'm not finished with it yet. So mm -hmm. I would just say I'm Joel Rush NBA on Twitter, and that's kind of what I'm doing. <laughs> but, uh, it, you know, it's the offseason now for the Nuggets, and uh, my activity has reflected that, my lack of activity recently. So, mm -hmm. uh, but, you know. Now we're kind of gearing up towards the draft and towards free agency and stuff like that. So I will probably be putting out a little bit more in the upcoming weeks. Joel Rush, make sure you check him out. Great work, as always. Thank you so much for the time, Joel. Thank you, Holden. I really had a blast. Thanks. You got it. Denver CityCast, presented by Bet Rivers, continues. Baseball is here, and Bet Rivers has a special offer for you every Saturday throughout the season. Place a three-leg same-game parlay of at least $25, and you will earn a $10 free bet. With same-game parlays, you can combine player props and game bets to make your perfect combo. 
Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Claim your offer on the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com. Must be 21, must be located in Colorado. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 522 4700. Okay, let's put a bow on the show here. Our best bets then, right? Tonight, I've got a ton on the Warriors. I got the Warriors minus seven at minus 110. I got the Warriors minus 10 on the alt line at plus 143. And then I went really bananas and I took the Warriors minus 17 and a half, 17 and a half at plus 400. So uh, you can do any combination there. I just think the Warriors, this is another blowout. We see maybe even a 20 point game. The Mavericks who have underachieved this series. I don't see them going into San Francisco and really being as competitive um, as they'd like to be tonight. Uh, the other bet that Mark Springer earlier tonight made over six and a half goals in the Avs Blues game Friday night, eight o'clock our time, over six and a half there. Again, first two games went under. The next three games, the last three games have gone over. We had seven goals in game three in St. Louis, nine in game four in St. Louis, and nine back here. Um, I'm going to have to sit down and think about that before I tail it. But over six and a half is his play, and I got a whole bunch of Warriors plays. Thank you, Stephen, for making this show happen. Follow me on Twitter, at Holden Radio. For Joel, for Mark, I'm Holden. Thanks for checking out the Denver CityCast presented by Bet Rivers.